Welcome to Dispatches, the official podcast for the Journal of the American Revolution. The Journal of the American Revolution publishes weekly online at www.allthingsliberty.com. For the latest in research, reviews, and commentaries, America's Most Important History is available free of charge at the Journal of the American Revolution. If you're going to take Philadelphia and you're William Howe, you need the wharves at Burlington, uh, and it's the best place to cross an army to take the uh, rebel capital. That's Journal of the American Revolution contributor Colin Zimmerman discussing the prelude to Trenton, and he's our guest today. I'm Brady Kreitzer, and this is Dispatches. This episode is sponsored by the Small Battle Series, with two new releases, The Battle of Musgrove's Mill, 1782, by John Buchanan, and The Battle of Harlem Heights, 1776, by David Price. Available now wherever books are sold. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Dispatches. I'm your host, Brady Kreitzer. Today our guest is Journal of the American Revolution contributor Colin Zimmerman, and he'll be discussing the prelude to one of the seminal moments of the American Revolution and one of our annual celebrations, perhaps, every December. Of course, I'm talking about the battles of Trenton and Princeton. After all, what would Christmas be here at the Journal of the American Revolution without a discussion about George Washington crossing the Delaware? Colin Zimmerman provides us a great overview of the events leading up to that battle from the British and German perspectives. We often get the Patriot side, but I don't think we have a complete understanding of the British and their German auxiliary side, and Colin Zimmerman steps in perfectly with this article. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our interview with Colin Zimmerman. Colin Zimmerman, welcome back. Thanks, it's good to be back. Colin, you've been on the show before. Remind us about your background. Hi, yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> uh, I do a lot of work uh, within the winter campaign of 76 and 77. Um, I live uh, in, in southern New Jersey, and uh, I work for Washington's Crossing Historic Park in Pennsylvania. Colin, what drew your interest into this topic? Um, yeah, this topic is, I mean, there's, there's a... There's a couple of different reasons, I guess. One, one, it's very, very local to me. Um, I live in uh, the town where most of the stuff we're going to talk about happened in the county. So there's that, you know, personal uh, interest in it. But the other thing uh, is <clears throat> with the 10 crucial days or the, or the you know, the Trenton, uh, Princeton uh, winter campaign, there's a lot of the peripheral events that are, <clears throat> have been left out of the kind of the narrative over the years. So uh, for me, looking into this stuff, uh, and kind of developing, you know, these different theories on it and, 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 and different research on it has really um, brought much more of the context of Trenton, Princeton, uh, Washington's decisions and, and the whole winter campaign into play. So uh, this is the stuff that, that leads up to it. This is the stuff that creates the circumstances um, that, you know, Washington is going to make the decision to cross the river on Christmas night in 1776. Colin, could you tell us a little bit about the strategic importance of Burlington County? Sure. Um, so Burlington County is um, the northernmost county of southern New Jersey. Um, it's also the largest county currently in the state, and it was probably uh, another third the size it is now in 1776. So uh, some of the more modern counties were born out of Burlington County, but um, 
strategically, most of it, most of the county is pine barrens, and it's still that way. Uh, so it's it's kind of uh, uninhabitable uh, after a certain point uh, from the Delaware River east. Uh, but in 1776, the the key uh, to Burlington County is is the town of Burlington, which is now the city of Burlington, uh, and it's also um, for a couple different reasons. Uh, one, it's the colonial capital of West Jersey, um, uh, and the other most important reason are the wharfs uh, that are uh, in Burlington. So uh, it is the largest wharf network north of Philadelphia. So uh, from modern-day Center City, Penn's Landing, to Burlington City, uh, it's probably about 20 miles, 15 miles down the river. Um, the other important aspect to these wharves in Burlington is that uh, for those that know about Trenton, uh, there's the Trenton Falls or Scudder Falls, um, which <clears throat> really aren't waterfalls. There's more of a series of rapids, but um, those falls inhibit uh, any naval vessels from going north. So for the British, uh, for William Howe, uh, to take Burlington uh, offers his army uh, access to wharves to transport across the river uh, into uh, uh, Philadelphia or into Bucks County and then down into Philadelphia. Um, we make a big deal of the Trenton ferries a lot, and they certainly are important, and the major road network is there. But um, if you're going to move an army, uh, make no mistake, William Howe's plan in 1776 is to move his army overland through New Jersey to Philadelphia. Obviously, we know from history that doesn't happen <laughs> the way he intends it to happen. Um, but in order for him to do that, you most certainly will need to secure Burlington. Um, the other aspect to that that's making it a little challenging to the British in 1776 is their inability to early in 76 is to get their Navy, their Navy up the river to secure it. So, um, the Pennsylvania Navy, uh, and some of the Pennsylvania Marines and the New Jersey militia, uh, Salem County militia, Cumberland County militia have been successful in keeping the British Navy, um, <clears throat> down at the bottom of the river. Um, whereas the army itself was in grasp, uh, which is what we're going to talk about, I guess, here, of taking Burlington and securing that objective. So it would have needed to have been a, a joint army-naval operation, and it likely had had the whole you know crossing of the Delaware not happened. Um, I don't want to get in too deep into the what-ifs, but it's most likely uh, in the spring of 77, um, the army... Uh, and the Royal Navy uh, would have made that junction at Burlington and probably continued their campaign on. Um, so in that, in that, to kind of sum that all up into a, a simple thing, if you're going to take Philadelphia and your William Howe, you need the wharves at Burlington, uh, and it's the best place to cross an army to take the uh, rebel capital. What was going on in New Jersey during the war at this time? <laughs> well, complete chaos. <laughs> uh, in November and December of 1776, um, there's a lot of different things going on. So um, we know, um, obviously, the British Army or the Crown Forces uh, are moving through New Jersey. The, the Patriot Army or the American Army is retreating through New Jersey. Uh, and William Howe has his amnesty um, program going on, which many New Jerseyans um, have decided is a good option. Uh, when when things start to turn, though, and this, this is one thing I'm glad bring it up because even though we're going to be talking a lot about, you know, Burlington County, things that are going down there, that doesn't discredit um, other things that are happening. There's certainly other peripheral things happening that are going to shape the crossing. So um, <clears throat> some of those include 
well, a major part of that has to do with the Huntington County militia uh, and their actions, in which were very heroic and uh, very uh, uh, <clears throat> consuming in, in their efforts. Uh, then you have some other peripheral things in Monmouth County, um, New Jersey militia units rising up. But the, the overall picture, when the British um, forces arrived down to kind of the beginning of southern New Jersey, the New, the New Jersey militia, I like to say, starts to find its backbone. Uh, and they start to um, reel back, um, reel themselves back in from from this chaos and start to make an organized resistance stand um, with Washington's army across the river, of course, supporting that. So um, as far as what's going on in Burlington, um, the, as, as much as William Howe and, and, and you know, his plans recognize the importance of Burlington, uh, the New Jerseyans or uh, you know, the Americans recognize that, too. So there was this effort to kind of grasp, you know, the militia forces that are available to offer some kind of defense uh, and hope for the best uh, in early December of 76. Colin, talk about the German commanders during this time period. Yeah. So most people are aware of, of Colonel Johann Rahl, who commands the, uh, the Trenton garrison of about 1500 soldiers. Um, but few less people are more aware of um Colonel um, Donab, Colonel uh, Carlo Emil von Donab, um, who commands about 3,000 soldiers, and he's technically the senior colonel uh, over Johann Rahl. Um, some people will say they don't necessarily get along. I've read through some of their correspondence, and to me, it doesn't really, you know, they seem like they're professional enough with each other. Um, but both of these men have very different reasons um, <clears throat> or similar reasons. Um, with very different outcomes for being here in America. So um, Donov's kind of the, kind of the big figure, at least in my opinion. Um, and he is, uh, he's the personal adjutant of the Landgraf uh, of Hess Castle. Um, and he's got ambitions um, to serve in the Prussian army. And for a lot of the Germanic speaking soldiers of the era, I guess, um, the Prussian army, right, under Frederick the Great, that's kind of the beau ideal of, of being a European soldier. So um, for him to, to get into that world of, of the Prussian officer corps, he needs to have a very impressive record, which he, in my opinion, he does. I mean, he fights in the Seven Years' War. He's, he's the adjutant of, of, of his Landgraf. I mean, he's a very impressive man. But I guess compared to the other officers that are seeking promotions or seeking appointments in the Prussian service, um, you know, he's, he's got to, you know, he's got to show more. So for him, uh, in this moment, when the American war happens, uh, there's an opportunity there to come here to show his professional skill, uh, to build his resume for lack of better words, uh, and hopefully go back and continue on the career that he wants in, in that professional Prussian European style army. So, um, when Donop gets here, uh, he's, going to give he's going to be given command of the field jaeger corps and he's also going to command three battalions of grenadiers and that's going to be the um miniature road um the Linsing, and the block regiments uh he'll fight at uh, flatbush um he'll uh flatbush new york uh and his force will take on many of the pennsylvania riflemen and, and other americans that are hot on the ridges and they'll stay there for three or four days and fortify the little village uh They'll perform very well at the Battle of Long Island. They'll perform uh, very well throughout the rest of the campaigns in New York. So by the time 
by the time the British or the Crown forces are moving into New Jersey, uh, these Hessian soldiers under Von Donop, uh, under Raw, uh, they are considered, they have a, you know, an amazing record of, of combat in North America, and they're very feared uh, by the Americans. So um, when William Howe begins to move his forces through New Jersey and set up the outpost um, throughout the state, he gives the mission to secure Burlington, Bordentown, and Trenton uh, to Von Donop and Johann Rall, but it's technically all under um, Rall reports to Donop, Donop reports to Grant, and you know, so on up the chain. So um, they secure Trenton, obviously. Uh, Donop's next move is to uh, is to move about the 20 miles south uh, to Burlington. Um, in order to do that, though, he's going to have to move down stages. So uh, the next logical point. Uh, from Trenton is about six to seven miles south in Bordentown, um, which very importantly, the kind of the crux of this whole article is it's within supporting distance of the Trenton garrison. And that's really, really key to how a lot of things are going to develop strategically uh, between December, you know, you would say December 10th to the 25th. Um, Donoff's going to take with him that original brigade, the, the Field Jaeger Corps, um, the, the three Grenadier regiments. He's also going to have detachments of artillery uh, with him, and he's also going to have the 42nd Regiment of Foot, um, the Highlanders. So he's going to have this this about 3,000 men or so, and they're going to move down with the intention of occupying Bordentown, occupying Burlington, and then kind of securing um, probably out towards Mount Holly, which is the next about five miles to the east of Burlington. Uh, and thus, would they control the town? They would control not only the wharfs, the town, but also the major road networks within Burlington County in which the army would eventually be able to move, you know, all its logistics through. Colin, could you describe some of the major events of the lead up to Trenton? Sure. Um, I will do, this will be a very <laughs> brief summary of it all, but um, on December 11th is kind of the first key uh, to, to this peripheral strategic um, mishap that's that's going to uh, you know fall upon Donop Von Donop and the Hessians. So um, December 11th, uh, Von Donop with a, a force, not even his entire force, but um, a portion of it, will march down to Burlington. Uh, they'll skirmish with uh, men of the Fifth uh, Battalion of the Associators under Colonel Matlock. They're um, a, supposedly a rifle regiment. Uh, they were untested in combat, but uh, they'll fight at a little village called Bustleton. Uh, and that'll kind of be a running fight into town. Um, Donop will halt the majority of his men um, at the York Bridge, which is a small little footbridge on modern-day Jacksonville Road, if anybody's familiar with Burlington, uh, and then he'll proceed into town. What he's going to see when he gets into town is that the Pennsylvania Navy, uh, with about uh, three to four galleys, are going to be out in the river with orders to fire on the town should they see any Hessians appear in it. So there's this there's this standoff, there's this, you know, Donop, you know, he's not, you know, he's not there to, to blow the town to pieces. One, he needs the town intact, but two, you know, they got to win hearts and minds to a degree. So he, he meets with the mayor of the town and the town fathers. They work this, um, this you know, this deal out where, the, you know, the Navy is going to go back and kind of say, listen, you know, the Hessians are willing to negotiate. Maybe we don't want to blow the town up um, and to try to buy time to see, you know, what happens. Uh, for Donop, again, um, the other thing that Burlington offers for him is there's a barracks there 
uh, very similar to the barracks that's in Trenton now. Um, but there was a barracks in Burlington's no longer there, but um, that's a great place to house some of his troops because that was one of the problems in Bordentown. You can't house 3,000 soldiers in Bordentown. You have to spread them out. And the barracks in Burlington is one of those great options. Um, so he's trying to he's trying to kind of, you know, see if they can work this out without, you know, destroying the town. Um, unfortunately, there's a miscommunication. The Pennsylvania Navy does fire on the town. Uh, cannonballs roll up the you know, high street in the town, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Don up you know, takes it as an insult and decides that he's going to uh, call for the 24-pound naval guns that are uh, up in New York. So he puts the word out. Uh, those naval guns are uh, on their way down. Um, you know, it's going to take a little while. And in the meantime, um, Donham's going to kind of secure the areas he can. And when those guns get here, they're going to bring them into Burlington. They're going to sink the, the galleys out in the river, and then they're going to achieve their objective. Uh, so that's December 11th. So between that and the 25th, um, when Washington crosses the Delaware or the morning of the 26th, uh, Donup's in this position where he's trying to wait for these guns, but also make the occupation of Burlington smooth. So um, he's going to send regular patrols out. He's going to have uh, Captain <clears throat> Johan Awald writes a lot about being at the Bunning House and uh, going on these patrols and getting to the local people. Um, Donup's going to send the 42nd foot out to modern-day Columbus, which is known as Black Horse then. Uh, and again, that's part of that. Bordentown can't fit everybody, so we're going to kind of spread people out to you know, important areas to try to hold these things. In the meantime, while all this is going on, um, a Virginia Continental Colonel named Samuel Griffin, who's in Philadelphia, uh, he was, I believe... He, he was on Charles Lee's staff, and I think he gets wounded at Long Island. Either way, he's in Philadelphia recovering either from sickness or from a slight wound. Washington remembers Griffin, um, sends orders to Griffin to go over to New Jersey to organize New Jersey militia uh, and to create some kind of diversion to draw Don up uh, away or to keep Burlington out of Donop's hands. So Griffin's going to collect about 800 soldiers from Salem, Gloucester, and Cumberland counties. Uh, they'll meet at Haddonfield. From Haddonfield, they'll march up the King's Highway to Morristown. From Morristown, they'll march up to Mount Holly. They'll fortify Ironworks Hill. Uh, and then from there, they'll march up to uh, Slabtown, which is modern-day Jacksonville, uh, or in Springfield Township, for those who are familiar. Uh, and he'll attack uh, his forces will attack a, uh, a Highlander outpost on Petticoat Bridge Road. Um, word will get back to Donup that one of his outposts was attacked. And one of the interesting, more interesting things is the, room, the word gets back that there's 2,000 Americans out there. Uh, in reality, there's only 800, or give or take a few. Um, <clears throat> so with these inflated numbers, Donup's going to say, well, I have to do something. I don't know what, you know, we have to drive these people out. They're too close. Uh, so he brings the bulk of this force down, uh, and they're going to fight the Battle of Petticoat Bridge on December 23rd. Uh, it's, you know, the Americans fire a, a fleeting volley. Uh, there's not much of a fight. Uh, you know, I think only one or two soldiers are killed, uh, a few wounded. But the, the sight of the Hessian Grenadiers and the 42nd Foot and the Eggers and all these professional soldiers coming out of the woods and through the fields, uh, you know, about 3000 of them was enough to make these untested militiamen, you know, kind of turn around and run. So they run, uh, and they're going to draw Donup's forces into Mount Holly. So 
from Petticoat Ridge to Mount Holly. It's probably about a five or six mile trek. Uh, and then they'll get into Mount Holly. Uh, they'll fight what's known as the Battle of Ironworks Hill. Again, not much of a fight, more, uh, more of an artillery kind of duel. Um, and then the Americans will retreat. So Don up, now it's the evening of the 23rd, uh, and he's in Mount Holly. He's now 20 miles away from Trenton, exactly. So he's out of supporting distance with most of his men. Um, no one, at least the way I like to think about it, Don up, there's no way that he can know that George Washington's about to pull something amazing off, right? We're crossing a river and, and attacking Trenton, all this kind of stuff. So uh, they're in Mount Holly. Don up meets a widow. Uh, a widow that he uh, fancies and he decides he's going to stay with her for the night. Uh, and if he's going to stay with her, his men are going to just stay in Mount Holly. And then, uh, you know, and from there, uh, the neat thing about Mount Holly is it's up, it's up from Burlington in terms of elevation. So to approach, uh, and it's also the biggest connecting road network in the County. So for the Naval guns that are coming, we'll bring them into Mount Holly from Mount Holly. We're already, on the, on the high ground, we'll march into Burlington. It's the same road that connects Burlington to Mount Holly. It's the same main road, and we'll go in and we'll take it. So all he has to do is just kind of wait a few days. He's already in position. Um, he gives orders uh, on the 24th uh, and, to, and on the 25th to, get, to make reconnaissance. So uh, AWOLD, some of the other Jaeger units are going to patrol the road network to kind of see what's going on to see if that militia is coming back to see what, what the access into Burlington's like, because they're planning this, this final stroke to, uh, you know, securing Burlington. Um, unfortunately <laughs> for Don up uh, in the Hessians and, and everyone else in the morning, the 26th, they wake up, they go about their routine. Um, AWOL goes out and patrol and then word reaches Don up of what just happened in Trent. So uh, from that point, he realizes in that point, you know, my gosh, <laughs> if we were only in supporting distance, you know, we could have made a difference. So uh, whether or not Donup's troops would have made a difference at the battle remains kind of a what if. But uh, I certainly think the, new, the news of, of Donup being 20 miles away in Mount Holly and satisfied there is a big one of the factors, one of the major factors into Washington's decision to go now. Right. There's other extenu- you know, there's other peripheral factors that affect that decision. But if Donup isn't in Mount Holly or, you know, is, if he's in Bordentown, I think Washington's plan is much different. I think uh, even if the Americans do attack Trenton, um, there's, you know, do, do, does Donup show up in time to, to recoup the loss? And there's a lot of different questions if he had remained in Bordentown. So um, that's kind of the nutshell, right, the overview of, of all these things that transpire between the 11th and the 26th, the morning of the 26th. Which of these events, Colin, do you think is most important? I think, um, I mean, certainly, I mean, it all plays a part, but I think the most immediate thing um, is, is, is kind of the Battle of Petticoat Bridge, but really the occupation of Mount Holly and the decision to stay there. Um, a, lot, a lot's been made of who the widow is, and the thing is we just don't know. Um, but certainly the, the, the presence of, of this widow uh, and Donup's fascination with her um, plays a big role, right, in, in American history, uh, it, it plays a major role uh, in, terms of, in terms of how things play out. But, um, you know, for me, the Battle of Trenton, um, it, the Battle of Trenton alone doesn't really change anything, right? But w- w- would it strategically, it doesn't. But 
what the Battle of Trenton does is it inspires um, people, right, to 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 kind of run the Washington's army to help support it. It's Princeton, in my opinion, that really um, completes the campaign, that completes the, tr- the tr- strategic turnaround. Um, but Princeton can't happen without Trenton. So, and Trenton can't be the success that it is with 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 Donop, you know, being right at its back door. So Donop has to be far away. Um, out of out of range to help roll and and you know so in that role it's you know that's what's important because again i don't think if donup you know if donup's in bordentown and washington still goes through with trent i don't think it winds up the same way that we know it now i think there's a high probability that um you know donup will counterattack or you know something to the effect that it won't be as impactful for the americans uh as it becomes so Without Petticoat Bridge, without Mount Holly, uh, you know, I don't think Trenton's a success. And if Trenton's not a success, the army goes home, uh, and then who knows what happens, right? Does the revolution end? Does another army come? You know, we don't know. Um, but certainly none of it's probably going to be good. How does this article help us understand the revolutionary era better? Um, <clears throat> I think, you know, um, does my article change, you know, some of the impact of the big events? No. Um, what I think it does is, is, is it provides a backdrop and it provides context uh, to to why these decisions were made and how they were made and you know the, the you know how it's it's you know we it's it's a group of people it's a group of decisions a group of events right that collectively create um, the effect of, of you know the victories at Trenton and Princeton so uh, is Washington's leadership a major part of it absolutely right. But what about, you know, is Samuel Griffin just as important, right? Is Donup just as important as Raw? You know, so it, it brings these characters in and shows that that the campaign and the story of, of America at that time and, and kind of, you know, the struggle, is it's not just situated in just one camp in one town. It's, it's many events around. So to tell all these different stories, I think um, when the We finally get them together and collect them. It shows us a much richer picture uh, and brings us a lot closer to the truth uh, and the impact of the war. Colin Zimmerman, thanks again. Thanks for having me. The music played in this episode included works by Kevin McLeod and the Sturbridge Colonial Militia. Any unauthorized reproduction or use of this podcast, without the express written permission of the Journal of the American Revolution, is strictly prohibited. For everyone here at Dispatches, I'm Brady Kreitzer saying so long.